drive time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you on this Tuesday, August the 30th, 2022. Praise be to God. Standing in the gap. It's going to be a big part of our conversation coming up at 35 past this hour. Luke Coffey is going to be recounting that January 6th morning when he stood in the gap between police and uh, rioters, protesters, patriots. What was going on there? Why were uh, why was there so much chaos? Why did people lose their lives that morning? And why is he facing prison and we're going to have that conversation with Luke Coffey coming up at 35 past hour. Stick around for that if you can. Hey, what's going on in Iraq? I don't know if you're catching the stories. There's not actually a whole lot of news coverage about this. But there are riots in the Green Zone. And uh, Muqtada al-Sadar, you might remember him from 2006. And uh, Ramadi and all of the uh, you know the chaos that erupted back in those days. Well, he has uh, decided to quit government. And it's caused lots of writing has the u.s embassy evacuated we're going to get the latest on that from reti- retired army colonel matt dooley coming up at 15 past the hour top of the next hour brent haynes is going to be on uh forced abortion coverage by the biden administration the good news is a federal appellate court on friday cited religious freedom to block biden's administration from forcing doctors to perform abortions and sex reassignment surgeries but we'll have more on that with brent coming up at the top of the next hour hey the doj has admitted that the FBI did, in fact, take attorney-client privileged documents from Trump's Mar-a-Lago residence. Yeah, I guess that's how it goes, you know, with a general warrant and all. At any rate, uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, uh, you know, admitted Catholic, said during an abortion panel at the University of California in San Francisco that to protect the unborn is sinful. Yeah, it makes sense of that. I can't. Anyway, Tesla and SpaceX CEO Elon Musk has cautioned the world that if we run too quickly to uh, getting rid of fossil fuels, it could mean the end of civilization. But nothing to see here. Move along. Move along. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And uh, are you trying to tell me that mm-hmm. there's no such thing as mm-hmm. climate change? Mm-hmm. Are you trying Sorry, to what? tell me what? that uh, we shouldn't get rid of our cars hey, guess uh, what I read by 2030? Yesterday. Guess what I read yesterday. What did you read? Zombie ice is going to add 10 inches to the ocean. Ah, uh, yes, I saw that story as well. What is zombie ice exactly? Is it ice that was so dead and is now like alive again? The ice cap mm-hmm. breaks off and supposedly okay. adds, because of buoyancy, a oh. little bit of water to I the see. coasts. So that's uh, what it is. Why is it zombie exactly? I don't know. Like, what makes it zombie-like? No idea. Huh. Maybe there's some sort of virus on there? Or, I don't know. Zombies have viruses? Aren't they dead? Viruses are alive. Don't they become zombies because of a virus or something like we that? We should have a whole show dedicated to zombies. Yeah, maybe in Halloween or something. Maybe book a guest for that. <laughs> I won't be here, but anyway. <laughs> Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning, D. Adrian. Are you ready for the zombie apocalypse? Am I ready for the zombie apocalypse? Well, I got to say, I um, mm-hmm. don't think that's possible. What? No. Come on now. You've seen not, the movie. What if I'm it was not a chastisement? Movies? Nah. Zombies? Nah. Did you see World War Z? Yeah, I saw Brad Pitt. Yeah. What'd you think? Um, 
It's okay. It's not <laughs> not really a good movie to be honest. Will Smith, you saw Will Smith. Oh, I am Legend. No, that that one is good. That, like that good. one was That's like a good that one. one. <laughs> uh, World War Z was very. Um... Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the you know want to hear some uh, some news? Okay. Some uh, as maybe good news, maybe bad news, I'm maybe listening. neutral news, depending on your opinion. Okay. But um, John Paul the first mm-hmm. of happy memory mm-hmm. uh, from all the great things that he did in his pontificate, mm-hmm. he will be beatified on September fourth. Hey, praise be to God. Yeah, there you go. God bless him. I mean, he had a long and protracted pontificate, so mm-hmm. which he could do lots of things. Oh yeah, I mean so. he remember he changed um. And when he implemented that, uh, <laughs> poor, yeah, poor JP one, good stuff. May God rest his soul. The poor guy. One month. That's all he had. Let's pray for him and his uh, his uh, untimely passing. But uh, you know, hey, praise be to God. All right, we have a lot to get into today. Well, hopefully, you can join us for all or part of it. Do us a favor and do share us with a friend. We'd be grateful. But let's pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. Today is Monday, August 30th, and here are your headlines this morning. Breitbart reports, the Catholic League says, white liberals are the real white supremacists. Catholic League President Bill Donahue says that white liberals qualify as the worst of white supremacists because they don't believe blacks have the ability to raise themselves up by themselves. In this way, he says, white liberals express a deep belief in the inherent inferiority of blacks, Dr. Donahue wrote. While right-wing white supremacists are too few to really matter, the nation teams with well-educated white liberals, as he says, who have become real white supremacists. The Epic Times reports Honda and LG announced plan to invest $4.4 billion in U.S. electric vehicle battery plant. The Biden administration has been pushing policies designed to bring more investment into battery and, and electronic vehicle manufacturing into the United States, causing a major rush by companies worldwide to build production lines here as state governments implement stricter regulations and tax credit eligibility to encourage more widespread use of electronic vehicles. Honda announced in April that it would spend $64 billion on research and development to reach its target rollout of 30 new EV models globally at the rate of about 2 million vehicles per year by 2030. The Japanese carmaker said that it seeks to phase out gas and diesel-powered engines uh, completely by 2040. Justin News reports airport complaints up nearly 270% from pre-pandemic levels. During the first six months of 2022, the department received 2,000 or 28,550 complaints more than it had during the entire year of 2019. In June of 2022 alone, officials received 5,862 complaints, up from about 269% from the 1,500 complaints the agency received in June 2019. The complaints focused on airline service with 28% of the complaints involving cancellations or delays and 25% of the complaints involving refunds. The Daily Wire reports 3.8 million renters likely to be evicted in the next two months. As the pandemic eviction moratoriums expire and rent payment relief programs end across the U.S., a rental crisis is beginning to crest. 
About 8.5 million people are behind on rent as of the end of August, according to Census Bureau data. Of those renters, around 3.8 million say that they're somewhat likely or very likely to be evicted in the next two months. Meanwhile, rents continue to tick up and topped $2,000 a month in June for the first time on record. Before the pandemic, rents have increased by about 25% and 15% in just the past year, according to Zillow. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is Saint Rose of Lima. Born in 1586 at Lima, Peru as Isabel, at her confirmation in 1597, she took the name of Rose because when an infant, her face had been seen transformed by a mystical rose. As a child, she was remarkable for a great reverence and pronounced love for all things relating to God. This is this took such possession of her that thenceforth her life was given up to prayer and mortification. She had an intense devotion to the infant Jesus and his blessed mother, before whose altar she spent hours. She was scrupulously obedient and of untiring industry, making rapid progress of earnest attention to her parents' instruction, to her studies, and to her domestic work, especially with her needle. After reading of St. Catherine, she determined to take the saint as her model. She began by fasting three times a week, adding secret severe penances, and when her vanity was assailed, cutting off her beautiful hair, wearing coarse clothing, and roughing her hands with toil. All this time, she had to struggle against the objections of her friends, and the ridicule of her family, and the censure of her parents. Many hours were spent before the Blessed Sacrament, which she received daily. Finally, she determined to take a vow of virginity, and inspired by supernatural love, adopted extraordinary means to fulfill it. At the outset, she had to combat the opposition of her parents who wished her to marry. For ten years, the struggle continued before she won by patience and prayer, their consent to continue her mission. Her days were filled with acts of charity and industry, and her exquisite lace and embroidery helped to support her home. While her nights were devoted to prayer and penance, when her work permitted, she retired to a little grotto which she had built in her brother, with her brother's aid in their small garden, and there passed her nights in solitude and prayer. Overcoming the opposition of her parents and with the consent of her confessor, she was allowed later to become practically a recluse in the cell, save for her visits to the Blessed Sacrament. In her 20th year, she received the habit of St. Dominic. Therefore, she redoubled the severity and variety of her penances to a heroic degree, wearing constantly a metal-spiked crown concealed by roses and an iron chain about her waist. Days passed without food save a draught of gall mixed with bitter herbs. When she could no longer stand, she sought repose on a bed constructed by herself of broken glass, stone, potsherds, and, sh and thorns. She admitted that she thought of the thought of lying down on it made her tremble with dread. Fourteen years, this martyrdom of her body continued without relaxation, but not without consolation. Our Lord revealed himself to her frequently, flooding her soul with such inexpressible peace and joy as to leave her in ecstasy for hours. At these times, she offered to him all her mortification and penances and expiation for offenses against his divine majesty and for the idolatry of her country, for the conversion of sinners and for the souls in purgatory. Many miracles followed her death. She was beatified by Clement IX in 1667 and canonized in 1671 by Clement X, 
the first American to be so honored. She died August 24, 1617, at Lima, Peru. St. Rose of Lima, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37. Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and a power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose in the 4th century would talk about how he is the Son of God, the Holy One. Uh, he is above the law as creator. He puts his hand to the work where it was left off to tear down and to recreate. He says, quote, Holy men may, through the word of God, deliver from evil spirits, but to bid the dead rise again is the work of divine power alone. That's St. Ambrose. St. Athanasius in the 4th century said he spoke of him not as a as the Holy One, but the Holy One, rather. that was I said that was Ambrose, but that was really Athanasius who said that. The afflicate in the 11th century said, For it becomes not a man always to be angry, that is, like the brutes, nor always to be without anger, for that is want of feeling, but he must take the middle path and have anger against what is evil. I find that fascinating in context context of this particular passage. St. Cyril of Alexandria says in the 5th century, they wondered therefore at the mightiness of his teaching, his virtue, and his power as it follows, and they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power, that is, not soothing, but urging and exciting them to seek salvation. Now the Jews supposed Christ to be one of the saints or prophets, but in order that they might esteem him higher, he passes beyond the prophetic limits. What an opportunity. Could you imagine being in the synagogue that day and seeing our Lord cast out this demon, the demon itself, calling him the Holy One, not just one of the Holy Ones, not just one of the prophets, but the Holy One? Man, if that didn't put, didn't make the hair on your back of your neck stand up, I don't know what would. Seek salvation. That is what the saints are and the fathers of the church are telling us to do today. So let's do that. We'll be right back. Colonel Matt Dooley is coming up next. Catholics claim that the Pope is the visible principle and foundation of Christian unity. And the reason for this claim is that Jesus made Peter as such. But what's our evidence? First, Jesus makes Peter the rock upon which he builds his church in Matthew 16, 18. And since you can't separate the structure from the foundation on which the structure is built, it follows that wherever Peter is, there's the true church of Christ. Luke 22, 31-32 is another text. Jesus singles Peter out and promises to protect him in faith and commands him to strengthen the brethren. Peter's job was to keep the apostles united in faith. And if the apostles wanted to benefit from Jesus' prayer of protection, they had to stick with Peter. We can benefit from this unity in faith as well. 
we stick with Peter's successor, the Pope. I'm Carlo Brusord with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Years ago when I started acting, modeling, and singing in Mexico, my Catholic faith was not the center of my life. It took me many years to discover that success, fame, money, and all the pleasures of the world were not going to fulfill me. I got to a point in my life where I thought I had everything, but I realized something was missing. Thankfully, I began a faith journey that brought me back to God and home to the Catholic Church. You can too. Discover more at CatholicsComeHome.com. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Coming up at 35 past the hour, Luke Coffey is going to be our guest. He was standing in the gap, so to speak, on January 6th at the back tunnel entrance of the U.S. Capitol. He was the guy holding up the uh, the what did you get the walking crutch there. He held it up to try to uh, calm people down. There was a woman down. And she needed immediate emergency help. She ended up dying, by the way. And uh, he's going to recount that experience, what was going on there. I remember that footage. It was so intense. And I, I didn't, couldn't wrap my head around why people were throwing things at the police and why the police were reacting the way they were. It just didn't make any sense to me. So we're going to have a conversation with Luke Coffey, who was at, at the very epicenter of all of that and now is facing prison. That's coming up at 35 past the hour. But joining us right now is retired uh, Army Colonel Matt Dooley. And uh, we want to get into what's going on in Iraq. Good morning to you, sir. Uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. Yeah, praise be to God. Thank you for your time. Um, so yesterday we saw a video flying about uh, the, the the Internet that there was something afoot in Iraq. But I, surprisingly, there's not a ton of coverage of it. There were reports, in fact, that the U.S. Embassy had been evacuated, but now the United States is denying that. Uh, can you give us some insight? What is going on there? Well, there's, there always seems to be something afoot in Iraq <laughs> since three wise gentlemen walked west uh, in seeking our Lord uh, from Nineveh. Um, but to, to lay out what's going on in Iraq, uh, you've got to go back to at least 1919. Um, at the end of World War I, uh, the Sykes-Picot Agreement redrew boundaries separating what colonial powers were going to be responsible for in the Middle East. And Iraq, uh, as we define it today, was created but it essentially drew borders through tribes where there shouldn't have been and did not draw the borders around uh, where folks actually lived and governed. Iraq is about three different uh, ethnic and religious uh, groups. You have the, the Kurds in the north, of which there are different types of Kurds and different motivations for what they want. Uh, you have the Sunni, uh, which is uh, a branch of Islam uh, that controls roughly the center of the country and Baghdad. Uh, and then you have the Shia in the south, uh, who are, again, they're, they're, uh, they're Muslims, uh, but they have a different view uh, of the Mahdi, uh, and, and the 12th Imam. <clears throat> and because of that, there's conflict between Shia and Sunni in Iraq. Complicating matters, you have the Iranians to the east, uh, who are not Arab. Uh, they may be Shia in their religious faith, uh, but they are Persians, uh, and they see themselves as a regional power. Uh, and that conflict uh, has existed for, for decades. Uh, and it led to the war uh, between Iran and Iraq in the 80s. Uh, and even though Saddam Hussein is no longer here, uh, that conflict and that competition for dominance still exists. Hmm. So what you're seeing uh, is that friction play out uh, in Baghdad in real time uh, today. <laughs> you have a, a weak 
interim government running Iraq right now with a prime minister who's not very not very powerful. The president is not very powerful. Uh, and so when Iran wants to exert influence and destabilize uh, what's going on in Iraq, it's not that hard for them to do. Uh, they finance and support uh, Muqtada al-Sadr uh, and his militias in the south who are Shia uh, and get them to create instability. Uh, that's what you saw yesterday. Hmm. Didn't you say a second ago that Iran is Sunni mostly? No, no, Iran is, is, is a Shia. Okay, I was going to say, because um, that would seem to be a conflict there between the Sunnis and the Shias uh, cooperating in that regard, but it's not true. They're yeah. both, uh, they're both uh, Shia, so that makes sense. Right. Now, we've had, a, we've had an experience. This is not our first rodeo with Muqtadr al-Sadr, is it? No, it's not. Uh, he made a play for dominance uh, while we were there um, in, in, in attempting to uh, stabilize and stand up a government. In the aftermath of uh, the 2003 uh, war to, to remove Saddam Hussein and his sons, uh, and again his his family and his father were not exactly friendly uh, with Saddam Hussein, and it was a belief that we would be welcomed uh, more by by the Shia in the South than what we uh, than what we were, and Al Sadr uh, was was looking to um, establish his dominance um, and his religious authority. Um, in the South and his, his militia fought us for a while, uh, and, and lost, uh, took, took, uh, severe casualties. And as a result of that, he was willing to, uh, come forward and, and try to participate in the political side, uh, the more peaceful side for a future Iraq. What we're seeing now, uh, is him withdrawing that support and activating, uh, his, his young military age males to, to rebel. Uh, to crash barriers, to throw rocks, uh, and create general instability. Um, my belief is that he wants more power, he wants more authority, and this is his attempt to do so uh, with Iran's blessing and support. So, from what I understand, he basically, he resigned, he walked out of the government there, and as you just stated, that sort of got all of his base up in arms, and they have they've basically been attacking the green zone. Can you explain that? Yeah, there is a... Um, uh, a fortified area in central Baghdad uh, that we call the Green Zone. <clears throat> um, you know, for for lack of any better term, the Green Zone was easier to move inside that area because it was walled off and, and controlled. And inside that area are embassies and, and the uh, the Iraqi presidential palace. Uh, and so that's not only reinforced physically, but it's also uh, guarded by by police and, and uh, Iraqi soldiers. And the intent is to create a, a stable area inside Baghdad where, where governance can take root, mm. uh, and where you can reliably uh, expect some some degree of, of peaceful safety. Um, getting inside that green zone means now you have rioters um, who are crashing barriers and, and attacking things and, and creating violence. Uh, the, the Iraqi presidential palace um, is what was stormed yesterday. And that's what you saw with the, the pictures of folks inside the building. It's not our embassy. It was the Iraqi presidential palace. Uh, what you saw in a, in a helicopter pulling folks out of our embassy, uh, our, our normal safety procedures and evacuating non-essential personnel. Uh, this happens in, in other areas of the world where there's instability where our embassy will temporarily remove folks, uh, <coughs> while we wait for the, for the situation to calm down. Uh, Colonel Julie, you know, it's, uh, it seems like this this story is uh, bubbling over from uh, just almost many many years of people holding on to these these grudges between each other. Do you think that 
um, there's going to be any complications between the U.S. and relations between uh, whatever relations we have left with Baghdad and Iran. Uh, I, I understand that we're still in the talks or we're developing talks to give Iran uh, the capability to, to have nuclear weapons. Is that going to complicate any of the situation there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, because it's more than just uh, the Iranians to the east. It's more than just the instability of Iraq and the ultimate outcome of that government. <clears throat> we just fought uh, a war uh, to contain uh, and defeat ISIS, which was largely a Sunni movement, um, but again, very similar to al-Qaeda uh, and its extremist uh, viewpoint. And they were trying to establish, reestablish a caliphate in the region. Um, and, and, and all that that means in its seventh century interpretation of, of violent Islam. Um, the Shia didn't want that. And so you saw Iran help Iraqi Shia, uh, push back against that. <clears throat> and for a time we were allied because we had common interest to destroy and defeat, uh, ISIS. Now that that's moving in the, in the rearview mirror, what's the ultimate outcome for Iraq? Uh, let's, somewhat tied to the ultimate outcome for Iran's hopes and dreams of being a regional superpower and their uh, their desire to have nuclear weapons. Um, there is an, another player in this, uh, and that's Israel. Israel is rightfully concerned uh, about their existence um, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, they're, they're demonstrable historically from the birth of that country up until now. When you have people on your borders uh, or folks who are supporting terrorism in the region who say, we want to remove your existence from this earth, you don't have much choice but to believe them, to take them at their word. Um, and I'm, I believe uh, the Israelis when they say that they're not going to tolerate Iran having a nuclear weapon. So this idea that, that it's only a bilateral discussion between the U.S. and Iran uh, is untrue. It's it's. it's fundamentally unfounded that there are a lot of players here and their concerns have to be taken into account. Wow. So, well, I mean, I'm looking at some of these pictures in the video as well. And the one thing I would say is not a lot of uh, AK-47s floating around is what we might have seen in past years when such riots occur. People like to, sh you know, empty a magazine into the air for some odd reason. Um, what does that say about this situation? Uh, is you think this will calm down? Do you think this will escalate? Well, how do you see it? Well, that's what I was looking for, and not to minimize the, the concerns of, of our State Department or the concerns of, of American citizens who are looking at what's going on in the footage and wondering, you know, <clears throat> is Iraq unraveling? But I was looking for weapons. Uh, in that region of the world, uh, I'm looking for the, the, the degree of violence. Um, a group of unhappy people shouting, um, pushing down barriers, uh, but not taking weapons into the green zone and shooting uh, at, at, at the government or shooting at soldiers or shooting at police. Uh, that tells me that we've still got some room here uh, for some discussion, that this has not turned into a revolution. This is just merely a, a physical outward expression of discontent and some pressure uh, to try to get the government to sort of tip Matata al sadr's way uh, and to give the, the Shia some, some more power. That's how things work in this region of the world. Um, so when you look at how they, they exercise power plays against one another, that's how they communicate, uh, as in this, this, um, shouting and in, in this, these sort of days of rage. Mm. The fact that we don't have, you know, brigade on brigade level action, um, where people shooting at each other gives me some reason for hope, um, still.
Do you think if it did escalate to that level, we would deploy more troops to the region? Um, we, we do have standing policy and practice to at least protect our embassies. Uh, that's why every embassy has a Marine Corps detachment. Uh, and so we would have to make a decision about whether or not we were going to stay. Uh, and if that's if that's what we choose, then we would have to to at least insert enough troops to be able to protect our footprint. Yeah. Um, if we if we make the decision it's not worth it to exit, then that's a a different cascade of decisions and consequences. Wow, I just had flashbacks to uh, Amb- Ambassador uh, Stevens in Benghazi. It's too bad he didn't have a detachment of Marines to help him out. Uh, God rest his soul. Um, so at this point, what would it take to trigger a total evacuation of the embassy? Then? Do you think that they're probably just going to sit tight and see this through? I think you probably would have to see a couple of things. You would have to see complete government collapse. Uh, you would have to see some of those AK-47s you talked about. Um, you would have to see assaults on on the U.S. footprint that's there instead of just the, the presidential palace. An attempt to go in and, and seize our embassy complex, which is fairly substantive. It's not just a single building. Uh, it's its own separate complex inside the green zone with multiple buildings, multiple layers of security. Uh, you'd have to see a direct attack on that. Uh, and not just the occasional mortar round, but an attempt to get uh, a substantial amount of, of folks on the inside uh, to cause violence and problems. And, and again, tied to uh, complete government, Iraqi government collapse. I think that's that would change the calculus. I mean, last question. We have seconds on the clock. What's the end game here? Is it just going to need to be a Shia-controlled country in order to make people happy here? You got about seconds. I, I think the end game is that the Shia have to have feel like they have a place in the government and some influence. But it's not merely Shia conducting what Iran wants. It's Iraqi Shia. Uh, mm. They want. They're, they're two different things. Okay. Colonel Matt Dooley, God bless you. Thank you for your time today. We're very grateful for your insight into these issues. Have a great day, sir. All right. After the break, more breaking news. And Luke Coffey is going to be our guest. We're going to talk about January 6th. Don't go anywhere. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, the Catholic Church is too condemning? It needs to practice more tolerance. G.K. Chesterton says, The other word for tolerance is indifference, and the other word for indifference is apathy. The Catholic Church cannot afford to be apathetic. It cannot afford to be tolerant of evil. It has to be consistent in opposing what is wrong and defending what is right. And the Church especially cannot afford to tolerate social evils that are condoned by the state. Why? because sooner or later, it'll be turned against the church. History has shown this to be true more than once. Chesterton says there have been times in history when the church has been wedded to the world, but it has always been widowed by the world. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org It was somewhat of an accident, and I have a lot of windshield time driving for work, and... Usually I'm listening to my gospel music, and so I wanted to find something else different. And so I started scrolling. I found Guadalupe Radio. I started listening to it on a regular basis. And what I realized, had I found this station years ago, my conversion would have probably happened years ago. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired, and now more headlines. Reuters reports, U.S. sues broker for selling data that could track church and health clinic visits. 
The U.S. Federal Trade Commission sued Idaho-based data broker Kochava, Incorporated, for selling geolocation data from hundreds of millions of mobile devices that could be used to track consumers. The FTC said consumer data could be used to trace people's movements to and from sensitive locations, including reproductive health care clinics, aka abortion mills, places of worship, homeless and domestic violence shelters, and addiction recovery facilities. They then sell the data to clients, including retailers, looking at foot traffic. And the Epic Times reports Iraq's presidential palace was breached. U.S. denies embassy was evacuated. Several Iraqis were killed yesterday after a powerful Shia Muslim cleric, Muqtada al-Sadr, said he would quit politics, prompting followers to storm the presidential compound in Baghdad. A video uploaded appeared to show U.S. Embassy staff in Baghdad being evacuated via military helicopter. However, the White House denied those reports during a news briefing yesterday. Young men loyal to Sadr charged the government headquarters in Baghdad's secure green zone once a palace of Saddam Hussein and took to the streets outside of the area where they skirmished with supporters of rival Tehran-backed groups. In addition to the five people killed, several dozen were injured. In Breitbart reports, NASA's Artemis 1 launch delayed because of engine bleed. According to NASA's blog tracking a series of events that led to the postponement of the launch, engineers began troubleshooting as issues arose prior to the two-hour window for launch at the Kennedy Space Center. Specifically, it involved an issue regarding one of its RS-25 engines. Ultimately, the launch director postponed the launch after exhausting the two-hour launch window. The unmanned Artemis 1, which was has a capacity for four astronauts, was to orbit for a month-long mission supposedly marking NASA's efforts to delve back into moon missions where the agency hopes to take astronauts to by 2025. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Thank you, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. You know, I'll never forget watching the live video feed coming out of our nation's capital on January 6th and uh, and watching this very intense scene at the steps of the tunnel entrance in the backside of the, of the Capitol. And I just couldn't wrap my head around exactly what I was seeing. Why was I seeing so many people gathered there? Why was I seeing so many things like... Uh, uh, stuff being thrown or, you know, sticks being used to, to hit police and police responding and like reform and, and uh, police standing up above and shooting tear gas into the crowd. And it just seemed otherworldly to me. And I couldn't understand exactly what was going on. And there was this one guy standing in the midst of it all with his little cowboy hat on and uh, holding up a crutch and again, seeming to uh, part the ways there a little bit. And I Never fully understood what exactly happened, but we know in the fallout that a woman died that day in the midst of it all. And uh, to joining us now, the man in the cowboy hat with the crutch is Mr. Luke Coffey, and he's on with us this morning by Zoom chat. Good morning to you, Mr. Coffey. Good morning, Joe. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm praise be to Jesus. To we're glad we're glad for your time today. Uh, we, we're we're limited on the clock, so let's jump straight into this. What made you go to the Capitol? Uh, to the steps that morning? Well, first off, I, I went out there as a, I'm a filmmaker and commercial director here in Texas. And uh, I had a buddy that wanted to go out there. And I thought it'd be a great opportunity as both a filmmaker and a patriotic American to be part of a historic day. So I, uh, that's my desire was to go out there. I mean, first as a journalist, uh, documentarian, and uh, you know, I, 
you know, it was predicted there were there would be um, just a huge uh, wave and a, amount of people, a sea of people, which at the ellipse, you know, they think upwards of a million plus people were there. And I, I would confirm that. Um, but I, I went there out there and, um, really as I'm, I'm a weird, I'm an actor too, part-time actor, small-time actor. And I, I dressed like almost over the top as like a Texas cowboy <laughs> and was wearing my duck hunting jacket and actually, <laughs> put on like uh <laughs> I had face paint that just happened to be in my uh in my side pocket so I put it on and like came down to the lobby to make my buddy laugh. So I looked like a domestic like the perfect post boy of a domestic <laughs> terrorist. But but um so I had my I had a backpack on with full film gear inside and and, and uh went to the ellipse in time to see Trump start and I mean it was there were people in trees like because there were so many people. I mean it was just a wide variety of every race, creed, um, uh, different religions, of course. But it, it was just a such I, – I, I compare it to a kind of a music fest meets tailgate meets a revival. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what you don't see – you never saw on the news um, how beautiful a day it was. And, and I've heard that echoed across the board with a lot of us J6 defendants. But uh, I went around, I it was interviewing people. I'm a, I love people watching and just talking to different characters. I mean, there were, you know, uh, people said it's, it was like Coachella because there were so many different Coachella Music Festival, which is a very dark probably music festival, but they're crazy uh, costumes and and just a variety of people just living in who they were, you know. And uh, But I interviewed Cuban-Americans that had fled communism along with uh, Chinese-Americans that were speaking out that this, that we're on the door, mm -hmm. um, the door is knocking of communism. And so I ended up staying to the lips, um, that, I mean, really till it totally cleared out. Um, I was unknowingly, uh, I had my dad and some of my family warn me what was, had started at the Capitol was already on the news. Um, wow. and, uh, I, my f cell service, mo most of people's cell service did not work mm -hmm. that day. It was, whether it's too many, it was jammed or were there too many signals or whatever. But um, so I followed kind of the last group. And I don't know if you know who Jeremy Brown is. There's an article in Gateway Pundit coming out tomorrow. I actually filmed Jeremy Brown, who was a Green uh, Beret that um, was ex exposing the FBI for recruiting him to be a, an informant that day. And they've put him uh, in jail for uh, egregious charges that they've seemed to have manufactured and he uh, he was he was an oath keeper there that day was and I interviewed him the last two clips that I actually have still um, because the FBI took all my my uh, camera gear and all my data um, was me interviewing him and the oath keeper saying we're just here to protect the speakers and um, you know they he was one of the last to leave and he's like we're we're former military and uh, police that are here just to patriotically protect our, the speakers from any Antifa, BLM. So it, that's coming out tomorrow with the clip and everything to help. I hope that helps Jeremy Brown's case, but he's actually running from Congress from prison. So uh, hold, we're, we're going to hit a break yeah. here in just a minute or two. So what okay. caused you to actually go to the back in the tunnel entrance? Like, why did you go there? Okay. So I ended up, I got pulled over by another radio show, um, 
that was called like stand in the gap ministries randomly. And I gave my testimony was walking away from that, going back to my hotel to charge my batteries really had no intention to go to the Capitol. I was going to go to a, a dance party and film it at 6 PM in the streets. Oh wow! But three, three, uh, ju- three young guys were running away from the Capitol. I was still probably half a mile to a mile away. And they said, there's people dying inside. We need Patriots. And I had had two, different uh one former military uh intelligence officer friend and another guy named alex stein who's a comedian conservative comedian warned me about false flag that day so i felt the holy spirit um basically say go up there luke and de-escalate and pray and um so by the time i walked up there uh joe it was there were still there were uh, there were already 30 to forty thousand people i mean it was full um, and somehow God directed me right up to the West Side Terrace tunnel. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I was immediately trying to, I had my head on a swivel looking for elements of a false flag and uh, provocateurs. And uh, I saw it. I mean, it was the same. It was, I know bad actors because I've done a bunch, uh, enough commercial uh, auditions. And I saw that these guys that didn't look like anybody I saw at the Ellipse. And they they were looked like they were in wardrobe for a Trump supporter saying the same lines of dialogue. There are people dying inside. We need patriots. We need patriots in the tunnel. And one gentleman, as I passed him, I wiped his face because it looked like stage blood. And sure enough, because I've worked with stage blood, I knew this, this the consistency was syrup like. And I wiped it, and it sure enough was stage blood. And I was showing people mm-hmm. that you know that there was stage blood. People, they're trying to escalate this. Keep you know, but they were already shooting at munitions into a peaceful crowd of people, literally singing "Amazing Grace" at one point, the Star oh, wow. Spangled Banner, and it was a bunch of the median age was boomers. You know, these were older, older folks mm-hmm. and retirees, and <clears throat> and that, that was escalating and, and irritating the crowd. Um, so uh, do you want me to take a break right here? Well, it, we, we're, we have about uh, 30 seconds or so before we go to a break. So you feel this call to go up and stand in the gap. But to me, looking at the video clip, which I'm selling, sharing on our live video stream, there is a clear distinction between people in the center of this tunnel in combative nature or some chaotic nature with the police and the crowd that's just the mass crowd standing there watching. It seems very strange to me, but... Uh, uh, how, how, why did you feel the need to go to the center? Why did you go all the way up? Well, because they were saying people were dying inside the tunnel and I was close by and there there was a crowd that was all going up there and mm. people were pushing from behind, heave ho, heave ho. Oh, wow. And then then they, uh, that same moment, they, yeah. uh, the, po- the police inside the tunnel released a, a special kind of chemical gas. Oh, hold that. Um, okay, people- hold that right there. We are at this break. That's a cliffhanger moment. We're going to come right back to that spot on the other side of this short break. Luke Coffey is our guest. He's facing prison time. Well, more on that coming up next. So the neighbor who we've spoken to, you know, just in greeting, but who I don't believe has ever spoken back to us, out of the blue, uh, surprised us. One day we were getting the kids in the car for math and asked us if we were going to math. I was dumbstruck for about probably 10 seconds. It was great that we had an opportunity to share about our parish and that we were Catholic. Turned out she was Catholic too, and she assumed we were because of the bumper sticker on our car. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. 
Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. At your church, there's probably some great music, enthusiastic clapping, and maybe even a shout or an amen. But where's the church-wide act of contrition and the confessing of sins? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible and the church. Psalm 47 does declare, shout unto God. It does say, clap your hands, all you people. But there's one more highly valuable physical expression. Strike the chest. What's that? Three times your fist strikes your chest for external admission that my sins were my fault. Secondly, order of the Mass. Within the first 60 seconds of a Mass, the congregation says together, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Each of those are followed by my firm strike upon my chest. And my take out of Luke 18 says, but the corrupt tax collector dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed, but beat upon his chest in sorrow. Proper order is confession before praise, sorrow before joy. And this makes sense. Why? Because remember what mom said, dinner first, then dessert. So don't forget to strike. Find me online at Smarty Pants Catholic Evangelism. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClendon. So good to be on with you. Luke Coffey is our guest. Um, he is uh, facing prison and a very difficult situation and uh, felt called to stand in the gap at uh, one of the most chaotic, intense, I would say the most intense situation at uh, January 6th in between the, the uh, police and the the protesters, rioters, witnesses, it's hard to say. It was such a, a conglomeration that morning. But uh, welcome back to the show. We're, we're, we're on a super tight timeline. There's so much to talk about, Mr. Coffee. Let me just ask you a clarifying question before you get back to the chemicals that were released in the tunnel, which is a very critical piece of the of the story there. Why, why was there such a confrontation between police and why weren't, like you said a minute ago, they were singing Amazing Grace, Star Spangled Banner. Why weren't they just standing there? You know, making their witness, and uh, but why was there an actual combat between these two? Were the police trying to push them out of the tunnel? So, if I've watched the three-hour video from the cameras inside the tunnel, they they basically had an unguarded tunnel, which they allowed the protesters that day walked in to the tunnel, walked inside, and then by the time I got there later that afternoon, I wasn't up there. My incident happened four fifteen, four thirty-ish. They had already they had pushed people back, but people were, had already curious people onlookers wanted to go inside mm-hmm. and had heard you know and that they had let the doors open and people were inside and and uh, so because it was it was like they allowed it and then the cops all pushed it out. There was a confrontation by one Victoria White who was beat forty times in the head, wow. and she is she is now um, charged with because she pushed off this cop beat in the head with a a metal baton and punched in the face. I saw the video of that. It's pretty intense. Yes. So essentially going back to it, there was, there were people I believe who were provocateurs pushing from behind and people were caught in the midst of this crowd, uh, this crowd that was being pushed Mm. and couldn't get out. And that's when, you know, there used to force, expert named Stan Kephart in, in the documentary I'm featured in, The Real Story, January 6th. Over at Epic Times. By Epic Times. Yeah. By Epic Times, yeah. They, he, he basically said, you're not supposed to deploy that kind of O2 gas. It removes the O2 from the atmosphere, especially in a confined, a com, confined area, which was the tunnel. Wow. So as soon as that happened, there was um, complete chaos. And that's what, you know, on a spiritual aspect – it was like Satan, and you know, wanted to enter chaos and confusion out of this beautiful day and disrupt it because it was. It was a very spiritual day. The Holy Spirit was very 
present. And it's in my um, assumption that, that they wanted more people to die today, that day, or at least Satan did, and have it be a, a more tragic, because they already had the narrative. It was worse than Pearl Harbor and 9-11, which is insulting to every family that lost people in those two events. You know, So anyway, people, a fountain of people overflowed down the stairs, and there was piled up three or four people deep. And I had, I had just gotten up there and cleared out way, but I saw women and men tumble down, and and uh, it was just pandemonium and very traumatic, honestly, because there are, there are women saying, I can't breathe, help me. And I was trying to help several different ones, including Roseanne Boyland, who was the second woman that was killed that day, who has been covered up. But she was she was underneath the pile. I couldn't get her out. And so there's a video of me saying, stop, let's pray. All, that's all I could think of was because I thought people were going to perish underneath that pile of people from suffocating to death. Yeah. And I, I'm surprised not more did, you know, but we do later find out that Roseanne did uh, die. But we think it's also at the hands of one of the, the Capitol Police that I'm charged with assaulting, Lila Morris, mm. or she was actually a D.C. Metro cop. So at that same time, uh, Joe, there were three gentlemen and I discussing uh, that we can't let this escalate again because um, it did calm down for a moment and there was a break. Yeah. And then like you, you were questioning, out of nowhere, these guys came up and just started um, you hitting on the police. You can see them on the video. You know what struck me is very interesting in the video is, one, there's people hitting a, with a baton back to the police. Like, why would you do that, number one? But number two, it's like these guys with helmets and goggles on. Like, hey, let's go stand and make our our voices heard with helmets and goggles on today. It seemed very strange to me to see people dress like that. Yes, and we and there were the whole crowd was yelling Antifa at these people were wearing this black I think it's called black rock attire beating breaking windows and we're and people were trying to drag them down and yelling Antifa or whatever so there were people that stood out that we didn't see at the ellipse I mean there were oath keepers wearing that kind of gear but they they were not I didn't see any of them it was suspicious actors let's just say that that were trying to escalate so at that point we were saying we need to de-escalate this and the other two gentlemen were like i've got a family i've got a business i'm worried about losing my business and i said you know i'll go up there and right before i heard lord say go stand in the gap the holy spirit and so i walked up there as calmly and peacefully and slowly as i could and um, non-threatening and walked up right in between the protesters kind of the breach yeah. on the stage and uh, I, I immediately saying, you know, let's stop this. We're all Americans. A family yeah. divided will not stand. I can and, see you uh, there. You're, you got your hands up yelling, stop, let's pray, stop. Mm -hmm. And uh, several times, even after you were beaten with the rod by the police and your arm was hurting, I could see you trying to hold your arm. Even still, you were saying, stop, stop, you know, and, and, and that uh, Roseanne at the bottom of the pile, some say had already died by that point, had still not received any help. No, and that's uh, you know, I if I had known she was still present right at my the left my left boot, I would have tried to get right in front of Lila Morris. But she was beating her with a walking stick. My first attorney thought it was a branch because it's this large stick. I mean, somebody had thrown up, and that's what I was. It was it was it was wild. The stuff that they were they had a fifteen foot ladder. They had hockey sticks. They had all these random items that were like, where did somebody? 
Yeah. Nobody carried a 15-foot ladder up there, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Let's go so make our voices items. heard with a hockey stick. I mean, like, who does right. this? It's, exactly. It's, it's interesting exactly. that you mentioned so, uh, Pandemonium, though, because, you know, um, Pandemonium, I'm thinking Paradise Lost, the capital of hell is, is Pandemonium, and it literally means... Uh, all the demons, uh, pan meaning all and demonium meaning demons. And you were talking about you're standing there telling everybody stop and let's pray and, and just watching everything going down. It's like, it's like the demons are being let loose all over the place. It was. I mean, it, it felt just a darkness came over. I mean, it was a spiritual battle, but there was, well, I, I'll, I'll, I'll get in that if we have time. But th- basically, right before I walked up there, uh, a crutch was thrown. And and uh, that's it's just wild that there are crutches because I know no one they had to either steal them beforehand or somebody had to get them because no one crutched up to where I ended up I'll tell you that much but a crutch was thrown up there and I was still getting hit and sprayed directly in the face and uh, so I saw the crutch at my feet and put it over my head and I and I said out loud in the name of Jesus Lord please stop this and they kept hitting me and spraying me so I turned I was turning back to the crowd and said the same thing but I was hit in the back of the head. By you know, it was a line of Capitol Police and DC Metro in full riot here, shields, masks, and uh, so I turned back and put it in front of me and leaned into the line. Um, and it's I'm you know since then it's been charged with uh, assault with a deadly weapon, um, seven mm-hmm. charge, six charges assault with a deadly weapon, uh, the crutch being the deadly weapon, and uh, I immediately was you know they pushed me back, but I. God did give me some like supernatural strength. It wasn't my own strength and pushed the line of people back and they were able to grab Roseanne and start CPR. But unfortunately it was, it was too late. She was already blue, mm-hmm. but they believe she was still alive at that point. Cause there's video that she was bleeding and dead people don't bleed. I'm told so, but she was being beaten on the head multiple times yeah. by the same cop that I, one of my charges is assaulting her. Uh, Lila Morris and everybody should know her name and mm-hmm. Roseanne's name because now, uh, uh, it's yeah. for for clarity. It was the police who finally brought Roseanne into the U.S. Capitol yes. into the tunnel to try to uh, perform CPR on her. So I'm glad that they did that, but it was really a day late and a dollar short because she did pass, and uh, it's a very tragic loss. Now, the greater detail can be seen and understood from the Epic Times documentary, which, by the way, there's a free version, not behind the paywall, over on Rumble, and we'll link to it in, uh, in today's video and on the chat. I'll, I'll send a link to that as well so everybody can see. And Luke Coffey's portion comes in at about 50 minutes into that, but you can watch the whole thing through the link that we'll provide. But as we're dwindling down to the last couple of minutes here, you're facing very serious charges. How many years uh, you, might you have to serve if convicted? Well, I mean, originally they were like threatening 20 years. And if it was consecutive charges, I mean, it could be like 80 years, but oh, wow. I don't think that's the likelihood. My first plea offer was four to five years, playing guilty to one of the felony assault with a deadly weapon charges. And then it's dropped down to 18, 14, eight to 14 months. If, uh, but I still be accept, accepting a, a felony assault with a deadly weapon. So I feel very called, uh, Joe to, to fight this and, um, we, we just have a new motion to try to get my trial moved out of D.C., but no one has successfully gotten their trial moved out of D.C. But the bias there is, I mean, it's this, the cards are stacked against us. Yeah. But, yeah, so. Um, most people take plea I, deals, I did, don't they? Hey, Luke, mo- most people take the plea deal, don't they? And most people in this case, they're not, they're not wanting to go to trial. Why are you so willing to go to trial? 
because I want to stand for truth and um, I've, I'm not scared. I already went to prison for 45 days. I've been in prisons with my, my father does prison ministry. So I've gone and shared the gospel. I, it's different when you're checked in as an inmate, by the way, they don't, they don't listen. <laughs> it's not quite the <laughs> same. when you're wearing the, the orange jumpsuit, but, yeah. but uh, you know, if God calls me, you know, to go to prison, I'd rather fight for truth and accept some plea deal and be a known, be a known felon. Um, I'm a yeah. hunter. I can't ever hunt again or vote. I mean, I just, yeah. I, I feel very called and God has, God has carried me through other storms in my life. Mm -hmm. And I feel called to one, speak out, speak truth. Um, and if they're, if they're lying about me and saying I'm a domestic terrorist, you know, I, they said fledgling actor beat cops with a crutch. I was told I, or one, one of the articles said I killed officer Sicknick who actually died a day later, a brain aneurysm, probably from the, um, you know, so <laughs> now, so, all right. So we're still down to the wire here. So your legal battle is going to be monstrous in all of this. How is that going for you? Like the cost, well, the, the, the financial yeah, legal so, defense. Well, we we are. My friend established a Give Simgo um, to help. I have these public defenders who I'm not. Um, they know I'm not pleased with them. And that there's been a lot of uh, J6 defendants who it's they almost feel like it's controlled opposition because they're still working for the the same DOJ and this is such a politically driven you know um, cases and narrative. So um, I am. I'm, How do I'm people find more information, Luke? If you can, you can go to Gibson Go uh, backslash Free Coffee and it tells more of my story and all the videos and articles yeah. are linked there. Give Sin Go and just search for Luke Coffee. We'll put a link to yeah, it as well. Free coffee. Free yeah, coffee. Flat, yeah, free coffee. Backslash free coffee. Give Sin Go and uh, backslash free coffee. I'll put a link to it. But Luke Coffee, I'm sorry we're out of time. God bless you. God love you. We'll be praying for you, brother. Okay, thank you all so much. Thanks for the opportunity. All God right. You, That's going to do it for hour number one. If you can join us in the second hour, go to grnonline.com. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. How do you keep God in your mind once you're done with prayer and daily mass? It's different for each of us, but one tool we've learned to use in our family is Christian music. Whether you're working around the house or driving the car, it's far more uplifting to listen to than the overplayed secular love songs. And God can speak to you through it. It's amazing how transformative good Christian music can be. Music can help us memorize scripture and remind us of the providence of God throughout the day. It can teach kids the Bible in a way that they love. And kids can make music their own. As they grow up, encourage your children to pick out Christian music that they personally can relate to. There's all different genres, from chant to country to contemporary. St. Paul exhorts us, sing psalms, hymns, and inspired songs to God from your hearts. Music can help deepen your love for God and lift your spirit to Him throughout the day. Try it this season and see. To find more resources for your family, visit us at MessyFamilyMinute.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. 
Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God. She carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Are you on the CDT Insider email list? Hi, Joe McLean here. And every week I send you cool stuff straight to your inbox, goodies that you're not going to want to miss. Go to grnonline.com forward slash CDT and get signed up today. Hi, I'm Jenny Granero from the St. Cecilia Catholic Community. You're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. I didn't get to scratch the surface with Luke Coffey, really. I know. You know, he had a very tragic accident in 2006. You know, we were talking to Matt Dooley last hour about mm. Iraq. In 2006, Muqtada al-Sadar was, was uh, causing trouble for... Uh, for the American military uh, forces there, and it led to big, huge battles and lots of loss of life and, and all of that. Uh, so in 06, when that was happening, and in 06, when I was moving the family to Houston, Texas, in 06, he and um, and his fiance at the time got into a major car accident in L.A. Now, but it's interesting because his fiance. He was living in L.A., but he was an actor on uh, Friday Night Lights. Mm, mm-hmm. And his fiance he met in L.A. Just so happened they're from the same small town in Texas. Oh, wow. It just so happened that their families shared a fence line on their ranches. <laughs> and then they met as strangers in L.A. Well, in 2006, they were in a hit and run. Uh, they were on a motorcycle, and a car hit them. And, he, you know, uh, she lost her life, and he flew through the air. And oh, man. It was pretty horrific. And so he's he's seen he's seen some difficult times in his life, and this one is definitely a very difficult time. You know, facing so many uh, years in prison. So, uh, boy, that was a. You know, we just didn't even scratch the surface of all the details, really. Uh, the Epic Times documentary is very good about you know showing a lot of those details uh, with different camera angles and you know what was actually happening there. It's a pretty tragic situation. Yeah, super tragic. Definitely agree and. We have to keep praying for those those people who are still behind bars. Yeah, who um, really don't have any voice left. You know, nobody right. nobody yeah. can listen to what they say. Yeah, they can't say anything. They're stuck behind bars. Some of them are in uh, isolation for no good reason. So we got to keep praying for them. Got to yeah. pray for their their perseverance. Yeah, and just I just remember watching that live and just thinking, I don't understand this. Like, what what am I looking at here? Mm-hmm. And to see the like, there was such a huge crowd around. And they were all just sort of watching what was happening at the center. And I was like, why Why is this happening at the center? What are we doing there? Who are these people? What's going on here? I just couldn't understand it, to be honest with you. I remember we got in a, you and I got in an argument that day about this. I was like, I don't know, man. This all seems kind of fake. <laughs> and you were like, no, man, this is terrible. This is horrible. It was terrible. Still yeah, is. It is terrible. But I was like, dude, this is all staged. This is all, it's a well, giant psyop. I don't think it was staged, and that, and at that level, as uh, Mr. Coffey did uh, did explain to us, there were actors for sure, but it, there were a lot of innocent people caught up in the middle of this. Oh yeah, of course. And that's uh, part of the horribleness of this. You don't have to like Donald Trump or any of that to go. This is a tragedy. 
that did need to happen. Yeah, sure. especially since that, we you know, we know people, personally people who got wrapped up with that yeah. after the fact. Yeah, exactly. Good people. Um, just so bizarre, like to almost Twilight Zone. But anyway, if you missed that conversation with Mr. Luke Coffey, I encourage you to uh, check out the podcast version of our show. You can always find it linked up on our website at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We're also on uh, everywhere. I mean, we're, our podcast can be found at uh, iTunes and Google Play and Spotify. I always say the best way to do it, though, is to really is to really download the Guadalupe Radio Network mobile app. And uh, you can get the podcast right in the flyout of the mobile app. All you got to do is search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network. Download it today. You can listen to the local GRN radio station, praise be to God, um, right on your phone, clear as crystal, 24-7. You can get your local contact information for your GM. You can get your local programming information, what's coming up next, what's coming up later. You can donate to our apostolate that way, and you also get the podcast. So it's a fantastic way to stay totally connected to the Guadalupe Radio Network. Again, search your app store for the Guadalupe Radio Network and uh, download that today. Praise be to God. Joining us right now via telephone is our good friend, attorney, and uh, pro-life advocate and Catholic speaker, Brent Haynes. Good morning to you, Brent. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. It's good to have you on the program again. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right, and I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, you're so careful in avoiding sensitive and controversial topics on your morning program. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty intense, wasn't it? Uh, I think it'll be years, you know, before we really know the full story of the investigations and the prosecutions. Right. Um, yeah, I think it'll take a uh, it'll take a movie from some Hollywood director. Hey, maybe, 20 years from now. Maybe we'll <laughs> see uh, the Wikipedia page of CIA controversies expand a little bit. <laughs> maybe, maybe. All right, let's turn to another controversy in our, in our country right now, and that is uh, forced abortion support, finances, and more uh, going on. Even in a post-Roe v. Wade, it seems like our federal government is finding new and creative ways to force us to support uh, abortion. What is happening, Brent Haynes? Well... Uh, that's exactly what is happening with the current administration in Washington, Joe. Um, people who followed the issue uh, will recall that after the Supreme Court handed down the Dobbs decision, a lot of pro-choice advocates, being upset as they were, said that one of the things they wanted to do was to pass a law in Congress that established a federal right to abortion. That way it wouldn't matter what the state laws are because there would be a federal law that would apply in every state that gave women the right to abortion. And that would be true because there's a doctrine called preemption, which says that when a federal law conflicts with a state law, then usually the federal law will apply. Um, the, the, the federal law just overrides the state law. Um, there is no federal statute to provide that requires that gives a right to abortion in the United States. That's why they were saying that they wanted to uh, pass such a statute. They still want to pass such a statute, but that didn't stop the uh, Biden administration. There is a law called the uh, Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act. How's that for an acronym? Impala. <laughs> That's what we needed. More and acronyms. Well, and basically, this is a law that everybody has heard about at one point or another because, you know, most people are familiar with the idea that if somebody goes to an emergency room, the emergency room has to provide the emergency medical care that that person needs. 
Well, that's because of EMTALA. The law basically was intended to stop patient dumping. It requires a, an emergency room to provide the necessary and stabilizing medical care for a patient that arrives at the emergency room um, or to stabilize them and provide an appropriate transfer to an appropriate uh, emergency room or other treatment facility if the emergency room receives money under Medicare. Now, virtually every uh, emergency room in the country receives money under medical care. So this federal statute applies to virtually every emergency room in the country. Well, President Biden issued an executive order after the Dobbs decision, and he told the Department of Health and Human Services and Secretary Becerra uh, to deal with this issue. And what they did was they issued what is called guidance, a term that our listeners are probably familiar with and that you and I have talked about before in other contexts, such as in the education uh, lawsuits and directives filed by the federal government. Well, under this guidance, the the uh, Biden administration is base, was basically telling hospitals, reminding them of their duty to not just treat patients, but saying that regardless of any state laws that might limit abortion, if the doctor thinks that a woman needs an abortion, they need to do it. Now, first, it, and the guidance does not mention the life of the unborn child. So it gets pretty technical in the analysis, analysis, but what it comes down to is the federal government is sort of trying to strong arm the uh, emergency rooms and the doctors that are out there or provide cover for those who want to provide an abortion. And it's telling them, look, if it looks like there's a conflict, state, uh, federal law applies, you, you've got to stop. Uh, you've got to just uh, follow the federal law and forget the state law. Now, first of all, in most instances, perhaps no instance, there really isn't a conflict because despite the hysteria on the left, as you know, the abortion laws that are on the books in states that are defending life always provide an exception for the life of the mother. They always provide an exception for ectopic pregnancies. Mm. So if there's really a problem there, doctor, the, you know, the doctor is, is allowed to perform the abortion. Now, there's going to be different wording in some laws. And admittedly, some laws might need to be you know, rephrased to make that better. But the first question is there might not be a real conflict there. The second issue, so the so it's not if there's no conflict that federal law does not apply, uh, and you don't just completely ignore the state law. After all, what's the point of us going to the trouble of passing these state laws if the federal government can just issue a letter from a federal department saying there's a this uh, abortion that must be carried out when there's no state law, federal law that really says that? Uh, the other uh, point is that the federal guides just did not consider the life of the unborn child. If you go and look at the language of the Emergency Medical Treatment and Active Labor Act, it actually talks about uh, preserving and the, you know, the health and life of the unborn child. So that's very important. That directive from the federal government makes it sound very biased, just disregard, disregards the unborn child. Well, as we do in our society, this ended up in court. In Texas, the Attorney General filed suit and, and pointed out these problems with the statute, said it doesn't necessarily conflict, they're ignoring the unborn child, and a, last week a federal judge issued an injunction stopping the application of the federal guidance in Texas and also against members of two pro-life medical groups.
Yeah, in fact, I saw a headline here out of the National Catholic Register that said the HHS can't force Catholic Hospital Network to perform abortions, gender transitions, and this was according to a federal appellate court that you mentioned uh, on Friday uh, that blocked a push to force doctors to perform these things, uh, abortion and gender transitions, which, by the way, there's been big controversy at the hospital in Boston and also in Washington, D.C., that seeming, uh, seemed to have been in the business of transitioning kids under 17, and in D.C. it was under 16 even. Um, these are critical oh. things. Why, why would they want to force doctors to do these things against their conscience? Well, Joe, why do they want to force us to do uh, anything against our conscience? You know, why do they, you know, last time we talked about uh, the schools uh, guiding children in their transgender identity without even revealing it to their parents. You know, why do they want to do any of these things? At this point, it becomes a rhetorical question, and I'm sure that, uh, God willing, uh, if we get to continue these discussions in, in, in your radio ministry in the future, uh, we're going to be talking about the trans issue again and parental rights issues again. This issue with Talon and, and the lawsuit in Texas is just one example that on the abortion front, that fight continues. A lot of people think that, you know, we won at the Supreme Court and it's over, but it's not over. It's just that the battleground moves back to the states. The, uh, with Talla, the Biden administration actually filed suit against the state of Idaho. And 16 states joined Idaho on their side. And 20 states plus the District of Columbia joined in that fight on the side of the Biden administration. And in Idaho, the federal judge ruled in favor of the, of the Biden administration because they said that that Idaho, the judge said the Idaho law there basically puts too much of a burden on doctors. There it's a defense for a doctor to provide an abortion. Um, but the, the, the theory is he'd have to go through a criminal trial and defend himself, and that's too much of a burden, which would be understandable. You know, maybe that Idaho statute needs to be revisited, but the point is you've got 36 states there in that one fight, essentially, mm-hmm. in that court in Idaho. Then you've got the fight in Texas. But the bigger issue here, Joe, and this uh, also goes back to the trans issue and the educational issue, is we keep seeing this issue of the federal government using executive orders, the president using executive orders and then using what is called guidance issued by the Department of Justice and the appropriate department in the federal government, such as the Department of Education, or in this case, the Department of Health and Human Services. There is no federal law in this case, for example, that establishes a right to abortion, but that didn't stop the president from trying to sort of strong arm this through. Um, People might remember that, uh, well, another before we go back to what people might remember about something President Obama said about immigration, look at the student loan issue. Uh, President Biden, uh, for better or worse, has said he wants to forgive student loans. That might be a good policy. It might not be a good policy. But Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said just a year ago, in July of 2021, she's on video saying the president doesn't have that authority. That's the authority of Congress. And that's absolutely right, because Congress is the power of the purse. As Speaker Pelosi said, the president can uh, delay debt, he can delay the collection, hmm. but he can't forgive it. And with the previous example under Obama, it was immigration of children. You know, he said many times he didn't have the constitutional authority to do it, and then finally he did it with an executive order anyway. This is a recurring problem yes. that goes to the heart of how our government functions. Well, we are out of time. Brent Haynes, thanks for uh, keeping us up to date on that. Let's pray for our country. Let's find... 
the moral backbone to live right and godly. Hey, we'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is coming up next. Fun and games. Call now, 877-757-9424. A friend of mine has been reading the Left Behind books. Is there really going to be a rapture like these books talk about? No. The rapture refers to a passage in 1 Thessalonians 4 where Christians are caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Many Christians believe, and the Left Behind books promote, that this being caught up to meet the Lord will occur before the Great Tribulation. Christians will simply vanish, meet Jesus somewhere in the air, and then return with Him to heaven to await the end of time. But notice, in verse 15, Paul says that we who are alive who are left shall be caught up. Those who are left get caught up to meet the Lord. The Left Behind books get their name from a passage in Luke 17 and one in Matthew 20. Which compares the coming of the Lord to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Matthew 24 puts it this way. As were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married, and they did not know until the flood came and swept them all the way. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one is taken and one is left. Two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. One is taken, one is left. The rapture, right? Jesus takes the Christians, leaves behind non-Christians. Two problems with that interpretation. First, Jesus is coming is compared to the days of Noah and the days of Lot. Well, after the flood, who was left? Noah and his family. The good guys, the bad guys were taken. After Sodom and Gomorrah went up in smoke, who was left? Lot and his daughters, the good guys, the bad guys were taken. Second problem, 1 Thessalonians 4 says that those who are left get to meet Jesus in the air. The good guys are left behind to meet Jesus. In other words, you want to be left behind so that you can get caught up in the clouds to meet Jesus in the air and accompany him back to earth at his second and final coming. There will be no rapture like the one the Left Behind books talk about. That view is not scriptural. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host... Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show with secrets and agendas. But what we need is a phone call on the line to play our game. You could be the contestant if you call right now. Phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. One more time, that phone number is 877-757-9424. Call right now. First caller gets to be the contestant. But here is the deal, all right? And there are deals. There are things that we like to do here. We just don't want it to get out too far. So, like, you know, you're not supposed to tell anybody. Number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you're going to learn something. And I guarantee today you're probably going to learn at least two things that you didn't know. I mean, just think about the bragging rights alone. And then we like to have a laugh. We like to have a good time. And uh, you could have a laugh with us by calling 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. Call right now. 
877-757-9424. And then, of course, we, you know, enjoy uh, having our guests on and possibly giving them prizes. You could possibly win. We have prizes to give away. Praise be to God. But here's the kicker. You don't have to know any of the correct answers to win our game. No, you don't. You might not know a single correct answer, but could still win because instead of asking you, I will ask Adrian and I will ask Rudy, one of which will give us a correct answer. The other will give us an incorrect answer. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make a decision. Whomst do they trust more? Uh, but uh, you got to call to play the game. 877-757-9424. Call now. 877-757-9424. That phone number one more time is 877 seven. 57 9424. Now, every correct answer does go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Praise be to God. Our sponsor this week is Saints of Heart. They are a local here to us. They're just right here in Spring, Texas. And the winner this week is going to receive one of their beautiful pieces of jewelry featuring sacred imagery, such as the three hearts, the sacred heart, the immaculate heart, or the chaste heart of St. Joseph. Take a look at their store at uh, saintsofheart.com for wonderful Catholic gifts for him and her. Personally, I love their ties. Uh, they're actually made of silk, and I'm a traditionalist, so I, really? I like traditional materials like silk mm. and wool mm. and that sort of thing. Mm. I was surprised. Sacred Heart tie. Uh-huh. Very awesome stuff. Check out their their store, saintsofheart.com. Silk, Thank you huh? so much. Silk? Oh, yeah, 100%. So. That seems so modernist. What? I mean, if you're a true traditionalist, you would like fig leaves. Fig leaves? Yeah, they predate silk by like ever forever but they didn't genesis 3 put that on the neck did they fig leaves man didn't god get rid of fig leaves like immediately (laughs) real real trads go with fig leaves and leather (laughs) i'm teasing teasing. it's a joke all right praise be to god thank you uh thank you saints of heart do you say saintsofheart.com 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 thank you for your generous gift to our program today let's go to the phones good morning to you amanda yes hey good morning amanda thanks for being on our program where are you calling from Bernie, Texas. Bernie, Texas. Bernie. Now, pop quiz. What is Bernie famous for? Oh, I have no idea. Don't you guys have like a Bucky's there? No, we don't. We've been waiting for like oh, years. No. Oh, it's in Bass. I'm thinking of the one in Bastrop. My bad. Oh, yeah, so it's coming. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> but, uh, not yet. We will be. Uh, maybe it's famous for having Amanda there. I was going to say there Colonel Sanders' go. chicken. <laughs> Joe, are you mocking our guests? Because no. they don't have a Bucky's Bernie, there? Bernie's God's country. That's mean. It's Bernie's beautiful land, praise be to God. Well, where do you go to church, yes. Amanda? Um, I go to Cibolo Creek. Nice. Well, we're glad you're on the program today, Amanda. Do you know how to play this game? Do you understand the rules? I do not. Okay, well, here's the deal. I, I heard the rules, but yeah, right. yeah go ahead. Okay. You don't need to know. All right. The one thing you need to know, the most important thing you need today is I'm on your side. <laughs> I and you <laughs> against them. That's how. That's like the okay. main main thing. Mm-hmm. Now, beyond that, I'm going to ask three questions. I'm going to ask it to Rudy and Adrian. They're, one of them is going to give you the correct answer. The other is going to give you an incorrect answer. And then you will have to decide who is trying to trick you more. Okay. Okay. And you got you 15 seconds. That's all you're going to have to figure that out. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's do this thing. We will start with Team Rudy <laughs> with a bow tie today. <laughs> Corley, By the way, I Corley made this yesterday. You did? I did. I made it. Uh, was Silk harmed in the action or 
Well, my favorite silk tie was, and I had to I had to save it somehow, so I made it into a bow tie. Okay. Bow tie and all. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Praise be to God. Are you sure? Yeah. Are you really sure? Let's do it. All right. Let's start with an easy one. The Hail Mary contains words expressed to the Virgin Mary by what persons? Okay, if you ever hear a Protestant say, well, it's not in the Bible. Actually, it is because the the Archangel Gabriel and oh. Mary's cousin Elizabeth really? spoke those words. And what, what, where in the Bible would I find that? Uh, look, Luke man, chapter I'm, one. Dude, I'm a Catholic. I don't know. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> man. I need things to throw. Just uh, All right, let's see what Adrian says. Adrian, good morning to you. Good morning. Praise be to God. Uh, could you tell me the Hail Mary contains words expressed to the Virgin Mary by what persons? Yes, that's easy. Is it? That would, yeah, um, it's very easy, actually. Wow. In fact, I, uh, as a uh, self-identified PhD in the Hail Mary, really? I'm well aware of the historical context. There's PhDs in just the Hail Mary? Yes. I was unaware of this. Mm-hmm. This is interesting. And I simply identify as one. Oh, okay. And the answer to that question, I've been reliably informed, mm-hmm. is that the two persons that created yes. the Hail Mary was okay. Emperor Constantine. Really? And Pope Gregory the Great. Based. Yeah. Wow. Mind blown. Mm-hmm. Mind they blown. They composed it about hundreds of years after the written, uh, the Bible was already written. You know. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay. So, Amanda, in Bernie, Texas, you've got options. The Hail Mary contains words expressed to the Virgin Mary by whom? Is it, as Adrian says, Constantine and Pope St. Gregory the Great? Or is it, as Rudy suggests, and uh, the angel Gabriel and Mary's cousin Elizabeth as we might read in Luke chapter 1. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Amanda and Bernie, what say you? Uh, the second one. Luke R- chapter 1. Oh, okay. Yeah. Survey says... Yeah. So wise. Do you have a PhD in... Uh, uh, do you identify as a Hail PhD, Mary-ology? Amanda? Do you... You tell yeah, no. all your, yeah, <laughs> praise be to God. You're right. It is the angel Gabriel and uh, Mary's cousin Elizabeth, as we read in Luke chapter 1. Congratulations. You're in the cup. You might win. Praise be to God. Now, this next one is, is you're going to learn something new today. Let's just say that. Are you ready, Amanda? This could I'm be tricky. Ready. This could be tricky, but we're going to start with Adrian first. And uh, we all know how that goes when we start with Adrian first. It's true. We all know. Let's just take a deep breath. Moment of pause. Okay. Moment of recollection. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the third holy oil called after oil of catechumens and holy chrism? What's the mm. third one called? Mm. Yes. That would be olive oil. Really? Yes. Huh. I've eaten there. It's great. No, that's olive garden. Carbs Extra are amazing there. No, no. no, no Cold not pressed? Old. So that's not what we're talking about? No. What are we talking about? Oh, that the, was Olive Garden. Yeah, you're thinking Olive Garden. My my yeah. bad. So what was your answer? Olive oil. Olive oil. Yeah. They, which they have at Olive Garden. Uh, presumably Lots they have of it. it. No, presumably. that's uh, Tons. actually Tons. canola oil. Oh, is it? Yeah. Boy, am I wrong. All right, Olive <laughs> Oil. That's awkward. Uh, Rudy, can you tell me, what is the third holy oil? Uh, what is it called? I mean, you got the oil of the catechumens, you got the holy chrism, and then the third one is called what? Well, it's the one that I'm going to need, because y'all are making me sick. It's the oil of the sick. The oil of the sick. That's right. Oh, I see. Where you're, okay, so the oil of the sick. That's right. You're not going to go with olive oil. Mm, sounds nope. made up. Like at Olive also, Garden. I think it with is made out of olive oil. But anyway, not to be tricky. It's the oil of the sick. That's the name of it. Yes. Okay. Well, Amanda, 
Is it the oil of the sick, as Rudy suggests, or is it just straight up olive oil, as Adrian is trying to make us believe? 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Amanda, what say you? Uh, Rudy's right. Wow. <laughs> Look wow. at that. That was quick. Not even. She didn't need the 15 seconds. <laughs> you are thrown <laughs> off by it all. I mean, just so confident, Amanda. Praise be to God. You're in for two. I wonder. I wonder if Amanda, like, I wouldn't play cards against Amanda. I've got a feeling here she hustles a little bit and makes you believe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't And then nails them all. <laughs> mm. All right. Well, let's see. Third one could be a perfect game, but this could be one you might learn something from, too. You didn't know before. We're going to go back to Rudy. Rudy? Are you ready? I'm ready. Can you tell me? What name is given to the authentic English version of the Holy Bible? Glory. Amen. If How's you ain't going? reading this one, then what? you're going straight down to where you don't want to be. <laughs> where, That's where the King I, James what? Version. Are you, are, you being, are you mocking me? Glory. Amen. Are you, you're mocking me, I can tell. Hmm? You're saying your answer is King James? Praise King James. Do you, why do you have that accident? Just what? Ex, that accident. Where did that come from? Well, Aren't you from California? Uh, uh, no. King James was your answer. King James. Okay. Uh, Adrian, perhaps uh, you might know. Mm -hmm. What name mm -hmm. is given to the authentic English version of sacred scripture? Right. Well, while the King James, you know, if the King James is good enough for Jesus, is good enough for me, I'm going to go with actually the douay Rames Bible. Really? Which the Catholic Bible. And that was based on what? It was based off of the Vulgate. Oh, I see. Okay. Mm -hmm. St. Jerome. Mm -hmm. mm. uh, all right, Amanda. The, uh, the, Eng the authentic English version of Sacred Scripture. Adrian says it was the Douay Rames, but uh, Rudy seems to think it was the King James. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Oh, Who is wrong? I have no idea. Um, King James. No, go the other way. Go the other way. The other I'm so sorry. Oh, that 15 seconds gets you. It's so quick. Yeah. Uh, in fact, Douay Rheims, uh, St. Jerome, in the 4th century, gave us the Latin Vulgate based on original sources in Hebrew and Greek. And then based on that, we got the Douay Rheims, which was uh, the, the very first, if I'm not mistaken, English translation of sacred scripture. I'm pretty sure it was. Okay. But there you go. You learned something new. something new. You just learned something new. Yeah, praise God, you're in for two, Amanda. You did great. You could win. You're going to have to tune in Friday to find out whether or not your name comes out of the coffee cup of divine providence. But we're so grateful for your phone call today. God Thank bless you. you. All right. Have, have a great day. day. I'm going to put you on hold. Don't go anywhere. Uh, this way we can get your information in case it's God's holy will that you should win. But uh, God bless Bernie, Texas. What a beautiful place. If you've never been there, you should try. It's wonderful. Hey, that's going to do it for the radio side. If you want to join us in the after show and talk direct, we'd love to talk to you. Join us at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is... The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate Tuesday of the 22nd week in Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all of our online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Praise my soul, the King of Heaven. 
To his feet thy tribute bring. Ransom healed, restored, forgiven, evermore his praises sing. Alleluia, Alleluia, praise the everlasting King. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. My brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to, to Almighty God, God, and to you, you, my brothers and sisters, that I, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask the Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. God of might, giver of every good gift, put into our hearts the love of your name, so that by deepening our sense of reverence, you may nurture in us what is good, and by your watchful care, keep safe what you have nurtured. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, the Spirit scrutinizes everything, even the depths of God. Among men, who knows what pertains to the man except his spirit that is within? Similarly, no one knows what pertains to God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand the things freely given us by God. And we speak about them not with words taught by human wisdom, but with the words taught by the Spirit, describing spiritual realities in spiritual terms. Now the natural man does not accept what pertains to the Spirit of God, for to him it is foolishness, and he cannot understand it, because it is judged spiritually. The one who is spiritual, however, can judge everything, because it is, but is not subject to judgment by anyone. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to counsel him? But we have the mind of Christ. The word of the Lord. The Lord is just in all his ways. The Lord is just in all his ways. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is good to all and compassionate toward all his works. The Lord is just in all his ways. Let all your works give you thanks, O Lord, and let your faithful ones bless you. 
Let them discourse of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might. The Lord is just in all his ways. Making known to men your might and the glorious splendor of your kingdom, your kingdom is a kingdom for all ages, and your dominion endures through the generations. The Lord is just in all his ways. The Lord is faithful in all his words and holy in all his works. The Lord lifts up all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The Lord is just in all his ways. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus went down to Capernaum, town of Galilee. He taught them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching because he spoke with authority. In the synagogue there was a man with the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out, cried out in a loud voice, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Be quiet, come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down in front of them and came out of him without doing him any harm. They were all amazed and said to one another, What is there about his word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And news of him spread everywhere in the surrounding region. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. St. Paul says something that's very, very important in that first reading, or the ends that, that first reading. We have the mind of Christ. St. Paul also says at the very beginning that we also have the spirit of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit, who us who have been baptized, those who have been confirmed, that spirit, the power of the spirit has been strengthened within us. And yet we find sometimes that we, we have very, a lot of difficulty understanding spiritual things. Why is that? Well, simply our fallen nature, Sometimes we, we haven't really paid much, uh, given it enough attention. And St. Paul says we need to understand, we need to describe spiritual realities in spiritual terms. You have to be careful that doesn't mean we have some kind of churchy jargon by which we describe things that nobody else can understand. I don't mean just speaking in Latin. Sometimes we're speaking in plain English, and we use terms that the normal person out there just doesn't understand. However, we all experience these different movements in our hearts, yet we, we probably are not always that aware of them, and we certainly don't understand them at first. But once we become aware and we begin to understand these kind of movements, we call desolation and consolation in our, in our hearts, these movements in our spirit, we begin to understand how to discern the will of God in our life and how to discern what comes from the spirit and what comes from the enemy or the other guy. In fact, Cassian, way back in the 4th century, maybe it was the 5th century actually, says something to the effect that we all experience these things 
even temptation, so on and so forth, but we don't really know them until somebody with great wisdom describes them to us. And once they describe the difference between consolation and desolation to us, oh yeah, I've experienced that, I know what that is. And yet before that, we seem to have no idea that, they, that they're there, but we all experience them. And I think it's what St. Paul is telling about in that first reading, about that, that spiritual things in spiritual terms. We will use analogies from created things, from, from nature, things that we can understand, and yet there's something deeper that he's speaking about, the spirit of Christ. There was another father, father of the church from the East who kind of described the, the spiritual life th like this. It's like if you, if, you, uh, have, if you can see down through the water, when the water is calm, you can see all the way to the bottom. Think of something like Cancun or thinking you see the you can see all the way to the through, through the blue, all the way to the bottom of the into the the sea. He says, but when the water is perturbed, then it becomes very murky and you can't see things. Now in spiritual terms, that happens with us. When there is calm and peace and tranquility, there is clarity. And we can see things uh, very clearly. We can understand God's will. And yet when, when we're disturbed, there's this murkiness. We can't quite see clearly. There's this disturbance. And so we, have, we don't have clarity, and we have to wait for the, the waters to calm in order to have that kind of clarity. And we have, sometimes we have to be patient. But we have the Spirit of God within us. God has given us his great grace by the divine life that we have received. And we also have the mind of Christ to be able to think like Christ thinks. But of course, that means we have to empty ourselves. We have to empty our minds of all of the, I think St. Paul puts another place, the kind of street wisdom, uh, you know, the street knowledge of everything, to be able to open up our mind to be able to receive that light of Christ, to be able to think in a way as God does. We have that capacity. We sometimes just don't use it very often. And so we, by the natural man, we understand, we understand things in this world. We might understand business uh, and, uh, and commerce and understand how to get a good deal out of things. And yet somehow we, we will still have a struggle with understanding spiritual realities. So St. Paul is exhorting us to listen to the Spirit of God, to listen to, to put on the mind of Christ. And that's going to take great uh, effort on our part. It's going to take patience as well but we have that ability. What happens, I think, is when we open up ourselves, we understand the power of God's word, the word of Jesus. When we pray, we talk to God, but when we read the scriptures, that word, which has such great authority that the people in the synagogue in Capernaum recognize in the Gospel of Luke, that it has this great authority, then when we read scripture, Christ is speaking to us, especially the Gospel. Jesus is speaking directly to us, and that's why he has the power to transform hearts. Look at it this way. What is, can you remember what the greatest sermon or homily you ever heard? This is not it, of course. <laughs> the greatest homily I ever heard was in Vienna, Austria, on New Year's Eve, in the, in the Church of St. Augustine. And this priest goes up, you know, way high on those little uh, balcony places. And he disappears, and he comes up, and he shows up. And he's, he's giving this sermon. Now, the whole sermon was in German. I didn't understand one word of what he said. I didn't say it was the greatest homily I ever understood. It was the greatest homily I ever heard. Because I'm looking around, this guy's enthralled. I don't know what he's saying. But I'm looking around at everybody else, and everybody's just got, they're just looking up like, you know, mouth agape. 
looking at this man like, wow, what is it about this man's word? Now imagine if that, something like that must have happened in the crowd there at the synagogue. Jesus speaking, there's something about this man's word. It has great authority because it touches the very depths of my heart. Let us open ourselves to this word. Let us open the scriptures so that Jesus can speak to us, so we can put on the mind of Christ and to know the spirit of God within us. We have all gathered here, dear brothers and sisters, to celebrate the mysteries of our redemption. Let us therefore ask Almighty God, the whole world may be watered from the springs of our blessing and life. Let us pray for all those who have vowed themselves to God, that with his help they may keep faithfully to, his, to their resolve. We pray to the Lord. We pray for peace among nations, that delivered from all turmoil, the peoples may serve God in freedom of heart. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the elderly who suffer from isolation or sickness, that they may be strengthened by our love of them as our brothers and sisters, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For ourselves gathered here, those who are joining us through Guadalupe Radio and online, that as God does not cease to sustain us with the things of this life, we may know how to use them in such a way that we may hold even now to the things that endure forever. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Let's pray for the grace today to, to put on the mind of Christ, to, hear, the, to notice and recognize the spirit of God at work within us. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Finally, remember those who have died and all the holy souls in purgatory, that they may rest in peace. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. May your mercy, we beseech you, O Lord, be with your people who cry to you, so that what they seek at your prompting, they may obtain by your ready generosity through Christ our Lord. Amen. Ubi caritas et amor Ubi caritas Deus ibiest, ubi caritas et amor, ubi caritas Deus ibiest, ubi caritas et amor ubi caritas Deus ibiest ubi caritas et amor Ubi caritas, Deus ibiest. Pray, dearly beloved, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church.
May this sacred offering, O Lord, confer on us always the blessing of salvation, that what it celebrates in mystery it may accomplish in power through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Father most holy, through your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, your word through whom you made all things, whom you sent as our Savior and Redeemer, incarnate by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin, fulfilling your will and gaining for you a holy people. He stretched out his hands as he endured his passion, so as to break the bonds of death and manifest the resurrection. And so with angels and all the saints, we declare your glory as with one voice we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, 
giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may marry to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command, informed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our, Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And Amen. with your spirit. Let's offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit holy spagatamudi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quit holis peccatamundi, miserere nobis. Agnus Dei, quit holis peccatamundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof. But only say the word and my soul shall be healed.
How great is the goodness, Lord, that you keep for those who fear you. An act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O Jesus, we adore Thee, who in Thy love divine concealed Thy mighty Godhead in forms of bread and wine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O Jesus, we adore thee, our victim and our priest, whose precious blood and body Become our sacred feast. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine. Let us pray. Renewed by this bread from the heavenly table, we beseech you, O Lord, that being the food of charity, it may confirm our hearts and stir us to serve you and our neighbor through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. The Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks. be to God. God. Salve Regina, Mater Misericordiae, Vita Dulcedo, Espes Nostra Salve. A te clamamos, A te suspiramos, Gementes et flentes, in hoc lacrimarum vale. Eo ego, advocata nostra, ilos tuos, misericordes oculos, a nos. The prayer to St. Michael. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, 
cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Spreading the splendor of truth. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hey there. If you're not a Catholic, thank you so much for listening.